Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions. Today is going to be a bit of a heavier topic, just in light of the past couple of weeks' events, the shooting in the mall and then in the elementary school last week in Texas. I've been receiving lots of questions from parents about how we should be addressing this with our kiddos, what we what we should be saying. Um, and so I knew that we're just sitting in so much shock just with everything. You know, it's been a long couple of years. Um, the war in Ukraine, I think it's time to just sit down and talk about what do we say when tragic things happen, whether in the rest of the world, other parts of the world, or even our own backyard, or in our own family. Our words, first of all, are extremely influential. So that's why this is such an important topic, because our kids are affected by what we say. And so that's why this is such a critical episode, because we all need to be really careful about what we say, and not just about what we say, how we say it too. Um, I admittedly didn't find out about the shoot shooting myself until parents had started asking me last week. I was doing a bunch of school presentations and it was a few days after the parents were starting to ask me. And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't hear about this, you know? Um, so I was trying to answer the best that I could without getting into too much deal detail of, of what was going on. I don't watch the news. I don't read the news. Um, oftentimes because it only breaks my heart and I get sucked into this vortex of, of upset. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, I, I work through those and regulate through those emotions, but there's already so much going on. And, and I'm sure we're all feeling that there's so much going on in all of our lives. But when I did hear about it, I was crushed. My husband felt so bad for telling me, but I had asked and I had wanted to know so that I can best support families. Um, but my children knew immediately. So when they found out afterwards that I had just found out, they're like, oh, mommy, right? Like, why don't you know this already? Um, but I am quite sensitive to the things that happen to kiddos. And so, you know, finding out, oh man, finding out about the teacher, who was shot and then her husband having the heart attack the next day, leaving behind four children. I mean, it's just so heartbreaking. That's just all of it. it. It just gets so overwhelming, right? And so before we can go and talk to our kids, we need to make sure that we're addressing our own stuff. That's why I'm sharing this personal story because I did get, I was sobbing when I heard about it, when my husband told me, I was just beside myself sobbing. Um, and I knew that my emotions more than the story or anything was going to greatly affect my children, right? So we have to make sure that our emotions are in check before we approach hard topics with our kiddos, because those emotions are so contagious. And so even though my kids had heard about it, you know, they understood it even before I did, I could have been making things so much worse if I started going to them sobbing, upset or anxious, right? So that's why it's so critical that we're strong co regulators because we don't want to add to their stress and upset. And I'm actually going to be talking, I'm going to be doing a summer series of how to promote our kiddos emotion regulation, just to help, you know, little things that you can work on through the summer so that when they get back to school, they'll be able to be a little bit more emotionally literate and stronger emotion regulators. Uh, so I will be talking about how to be effective co-regulators as we get into those summer series. Um, but one of the things for now that's still applicable for, for this episode is being able to be that co-regulator with them. Um, we know that our kids' nervous system reads our, our own nervous system to the point that, you know, babies, their heart rates will start mirroring that of their mothers and the sweat glands of their mothers, you know, if their mothers are starting to get stressed. So even as babies, they're greatly affected. 
And when we look at the research, we see that it's the parents who are usually more emotionally affected. Certainly true in my family. I was way more affected by everything that's happening in the war and with the shootings at the elementary school, far more than my children were. Um, I'm not so anxious, but just the sadden, saddening of it, right? And just how can how can one person do this to other people? Um, but any freaking out that we do, we're going to freak them out. So we really have to get our own emotions in check first and foremost. And like I said, it's not just what we say to our kiddos, it's how we're saying it too. So we're not getting caught up in that stress and that anxiety and just the emotions behind it. They're constantly looking at us for information about how they should feel, especially when they're younger. And if they're seeing you in distress, that's far more influential than seeing the things on the news, right? And it's through our reactions that they're going to feel safe or not, worried to go to school or not. And, and that's going to be a key piece. If we do talk to our kiddos about this, they need to feel they are still safe. They need to feel that the world is still safe. Um, and like I said, both my girls already knew it. My, my, my girls were both really, didn't you know, more than anything, they weren't really stressed about it. It's more just big eye rolls that I didn't know about it. Um, my little one chuckled at me because I was a crybaby because uh, she asked later, like, did you cry when you found out? I'm like, of course I did. Um, but it really was. I was far more upset by the situation than they were. And, you know, we have different perspectives being in Canada than if you're in the U United States or certainly close to Texas or or in Texas, um, where we have restrictions on gun use. I don't know what the gun laws are here, but they're certainly way more restricted than they are down in the United States. So we don't have a lot of school shootings. They're just not common and not to this extent. If we do have them, you know, it's one person who's getting shot pretty targeted. Um, I think the worst one was probably Montreal, late 80s. I want to say 89, um, there was a gunman who went into a post-secondary or a, uh, uh, yeah, post-secondary, like a college and, and so, but certainly not an elementary. Um, but when that happened, I certainly never heard about it. I didn't hear about it until I was much older. So I guess the point is, I know we're going to have different perspectives based on our location. Our children in, in Canada feel safe. Right. But even though we don't have the same sort of gun laws, there's far more restrictions. Oftentimes it's hard for them to separate. And I think my children are old enough. They really could separate that. That's there. That's the United States. But we're here. So it's easier to feel safe when they've got that distinction. But even though our reactions are important, like I said, the negative influence of the news is quite strong still, right? And I've talked about the unique stressors of our generation Zs and alphas because they're born into technology. And with that technology, they have immediate access to what's happening globally. And like I've talked about before, definitely check out my episodes on screen time if you want, but we have this crisis saturated world and it's at their fingertips. They can easily say, hey, Google, what's happening in the world today? And they will know immediately what's happening, what big events, and it's usually tragedy. If you ever do it, it's all is sort of tragedy that's happening and as a child and even a, a teen right i i had no idea what was happening in the rest of the world i lived through things like the cold war i mean the cold war the most i ever saw was the cartoon rocky and bullwinkle right that was the the only exposure I ever got to that um i was an adult by the time the columbine shootings occurred 
And I never really had to process anything like that before in my life. I had very little knowledge of anything happening, you know, Northern Ireland for 30 years. There was a lot of stuff going on in wars. There was Gulf War, this uh, Sierra Leone, Bosnia, even Afghanistan, Iraq. You know, I, I didn't know any of that until I was a grown woman, never heard about any of it. You know, even though my parents did watch the news, that wasn't something kids sat down to watch. And it wasn't really something that we talked about at school or, or in our home. We just didn't have the same level of exposure. So we do have to think about how much do they actually need to know? We see far more anxiety and depression and self-harm and suicidal tendencies than any other generation. And a huge contributor to that is the amount of exposure that they see about all the bad things that are happening in the world, all the tragic things that are happening in the world. Children's and teens, they can't process tragedies the same way that we can as adults. I remember even from 9-11, the news would replay the planes crashing into the Twin Towers and, and, and kids are hearing all the reports. And uh, we actually saw a huge amount of secondary trauma. And so even with these shootings, kiddos, if they're hearing these messages through the news, they can get secondary trauma. And we were seeing that a lot in our children, especially around 9-11, for example, because they thought every replay was another plane crashing into another building and that this horror was just happening all across America. And when was it now going to come to them? Like it just wasn't stopping. And they had a really hard time processing that. Children also have a hard time separating that that was there and I am here and really knowing kind of that difference. They have this magical thinking where they're going to try to fill in the gaps. And I'm always talking about how our brain fills in the gaps and their brain's always going to fill the gaps in with big, scary, um, scary stories that involves them. They're still pretty egocentric, right? Our brains and our bodies are built to protect us. And so by filling in that gap with all of the worries and the fear and the what, what, what ifs and all the bad things that could happen to us, we're going to be sure to be vigilant and to protect ourselves. And so when we're filling in those gaps, when we don't know, it's always going to be something scary. So right away for any age, we definitely want to make sure that we're li limiting the news coverage. So we're first, we're watching our own reactions and emotions, but we're also going to limit that news coverage on TV and the radio and social media, because that's going to contribute to the anxiety. And like I said, potentially secondary trauma and even PTSD. So we wanna protect them from whatever's being covered anywhere on any platform, even the social media. All of those are built like TV, radio, news, all of it is built to suck us in that our emotional brain is always on the lookout, right? For danger, our nervous system's always looking out for danger. And so it sucks us in. It's very stimulating. And so it triggers our fears and it really spreads those emotions and even false information, especially if they don't have all the information, they're filling in the gaps, right? So how much do we share? What do we say? I'm going to go through some general tips for, for any child. It doesn't matter what age, but I will go into some specific sort of different considerations depending on the developmental stage that your child's in. But a lot of the points are sim similar. Um, if you do have the conversation, it's because they're, you know, bringing up, um, you know, if you weren't ready to, I would say for kiddos, you know, grades three to four up until then, I don't know if they actually need to know when they're that young, if they're not hearing it and they're not going to be exposed to it. I don't, I don't know if they need to certainly not preschoolers and kindergartens. They just, it's so hard for their little brains to process all of that. Um, 
but maybe, you know, as they get into more middle and upper elementary, and I'll be talking about that. So you can decide what you want to do based on your, your parenting values and your beliefs. If you do have the conversation because they're bringing it up, um, that's fine. We don't want to push it on them though. We don't want to push them to talk about it. If they do bring it up, it's our job to listen. That's really what we should be doing. We don't want to jump in because it can be so overwhelming for them. And oftentimes when we jump in with everything going on in our mind and all of our our feelings, it's not really helpful. And maybe they weren't thinking along those lines. And it just doesn't really give them the opportunity to process their own emotions. So we really want to listen. We want to reflect back. Even if they're asking us a question, we're going to reflect back the question to them, right? Um, and saying, I'm here you, I'm hearing you ask about this. So this is what I hear your thoughts. Did I get it? Is there more? That can be really helpful. Because how they hear, if they're hearing back their own words and hearing that story, it helps them process everything that's going on. Um, and so even asking them, you know, if they're saying, so what happened in Texas? Well, what do you think happened? What do you know? You tell me what you know. Oh, well, I heard a guy, you know, shot some kids. Why did he do that? What do you think? You know, so we're always turning it back. That's can be, that can be really helpful because then we're getting a sense of, what is it that they know in the first place? Because we don't need to overshare too much information. We don't want to give too many details anyway, but we can see what they're saying. We can see what they think about it and see if there's any, you know, mis misconceptions that we can kind of figure out. We don't want to try to jump in and take away their hurt. When we look at resilience, it's built through tragedy and stress. Kids become more reliant on us if we're always trying to take away that distress and they always feel that this is bad feelings. This is stuff that I've talked about in before in all of my episodes. They just never learn to cope. So that's why listening is always the best thing that we can be doing for them. We're creating that safe space. Safety is so important for them just to be with you. That's far more powerful than any words that you could possibly say. Creating that space, that feeling of safety, that's key. No words are ever going to create a space like that. And like I said, kids need to learn to tolerate big feelings that come up. So we all do sitting with that and, and, and what that feels like. That's so powerful in strengthening our resilience. We often want to quash it, you know, and we end up numbing it and trying to just go zone out on Netflix or try to forget about it. Um, so I think that that's important too. You know, when I, yeah, I was quite upset. I was sobbing and I allowed that. I allowed myself to have that grieving process because that's important too, to be able to process that. And same thing for them, not trying to take, take things away and say, it's okay. Don't cry. You know, don't worry about it. We, we don't want to minimize them. So really focusing on asking open-ended questions. That's really the best route. If you are going to talk is asking them open-ended questions and reflecting back what you hear. Because again, if you're asking them questions, it's keeping their thinking brain on. It allows them to process through what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Our focus really isn't to scare them. We want to make sure that they feel safe and confident. So when we're asking questions, it's really helpful. Again, the safety piece is important because anxiety wants to suck them into the illusion of fear that the world is a dangerous place. And we definitely don't want to contribute to that. And by listening to their answers and to their questions, like I said, we'll have a better understanding of what they already know, what they're thinking about the situation. And that can help us figure out what, what the next most important, helpful thing we could say is. Now with any child, it's okay to ask how they feel about the situation. Helping them express their feelings is so important because if we can label our emotions, that's going to help them better manage their emotions. I love having visuals like a, 
uh, feelings wheel or emotion cards, because we often can't process or think of how we're actually feeling in the moment. Kids will be like, I'm fine or I'm sad, but then that's it. You know, I think there's so many nuanced emotions that we just can't come up with in our brain. So we, we do, we can have a word wheel and I'll put some in the show notes that you guys can access. And that's just a good activity to do daily anyways. And I'll be getting that into that in the summer series when we're looking at emotion regulation for our kiddos. And, and we can see if they're feeling safe, right? Because otherwise um, we, we might have some school avoidance starting or worsening if they already have some school avoidance. So we wanna make sure we're not doing that. A lot of times kiddos just have time processing their emotions and thoughts in the heat of the moment. So we can look at other things, maybe writing, you know, just, you know, write down your thoughts as they come up to you. If, if they're old enough to do writing, maybe they can write about their fears. Um, maybe they can do the writing to help them feel safe, like writing a letter to the police station or the fire department. We have one just down the road from my girl's school. So writing a letter to thank them for keeping us safe, that can be helpful just to create feelings of safety and compassion and connection and gratitude and all of those kinds of things can be really helpful. So we want to make sure that, you know, when we're talking about it, we're addressing their feelings, but also making sure that we're addressing their safety concerns, whether it's safety concerns about school or in the community at all. When they do share their feelings, we wanna make sure we're acknowledging them. If they're worried about their safety, again, we're still not gonna minimize those feelings and tell them not to be worried because now, you know, we could be telling them they're wrong. They could be feeling like they're wrong or they might feel embarrassed because they're so worried, right? Because they're feeling this way or you don't want to hear how they're feeling. So we're going to acknowledge the worry, of course. No wonder, of course, you feel stressed out. Of course, you feel sad. Of course, you feel worried. How could you not, right? So we're going to acknowledge those. So again, it comes down to listening. An adult who just accepts however they're feeling, you know, we're there for you. We're not lecturing. We're not fixing. We're not advice giving. We are there. No wonder, dude. Oh, I'm here for you. Right. If they do have lots of questions, it's okay. If you don't know the answer, it's okay to say, I don't know. Right. Kids are going to ask why, for example, we can never really know why. And so that's okay. Don't make something up. Right. Unless you have very concrete, objective facts about the whys and the shooter said, this is exactly why I did it. Everything else is just speculation. So don't perpetuate speculation because that's not helpful. If you do know the answer to questions, making sure you're being honest, you're going to give them objective information. And, and we're going to make sure that it's developmentally appropriate at any age. It doesn't matter how old they are. Avoid graphic details. They do not need to, to have any of that. You want to be very clear and explicit. Don't leave it vague, right? Like someone, someone hurt children. Well, that could be very confusing too, right? Maybe if you're a child, they'll take it at face value and that's okay. And they don't have any other questions that can be okay, but it's also okay to say someone shot the children, right? Or shot some students and a, and a couple of teachers because otherwise they're gonna create their own horrible stories in their heads, right? Not, not that a shooting isn't absolutely horrible, but at least they have that concrete fact and they're not spinning their wheels about all the different possibilities of what that could look like, right? Because we have no idea what they're gonna think. And if they see other people talking about it and so upset about it, they're gonna think the most horrific thing. 
And don't say things like it was a monster, a monster who did this. I know sometimes we refer to people like, oh, he was such a monster, right? But that can be really hard for kids to process too. So it was a young man that did this, right? Um, I do get a lot of questions about what's developmentally appropriate. So I'll give you a few general guidelines, but it's critical. It doesn't matter just because I say, you know, at this sort of age, you got to know the child, you got to know how they react. Um, you you got to know how sensitive they are to tragic situations. You just can't go by developmental age. There's so many other factors that you have to think about. Some kids are far more sensitive than others, and they just need a different approach than same aged peers. You know, I can have a conversation about a shooting like this with my 11 year old, but when my older one was 11, there's no way I could have because she just would have been too sensitive. So for early elementary kiddos, like I said, up until about grades three and four, again, you might not necessarily need to say anything unless they're bringing it up. They might make a comment, but they might not want to engage in a conversation either. And that's okay. Just let them know that you're there for them. If, if you have any questions or you want to talk about it or how you're feeling about it, I'll be here anytime. Just let me know. Now I will put that disclaimer out again, just one more time. Every family is different. So there is a good chance once they're in school, even young elementary, that they might hear about it from other people. So it's really a personal parental decision based on what parents think is best for their particular child and their families. Some parents want their children to know. They want their children to know everything that's happening in the world, and that's fine. But you need to know the child, and is that appropriate for the child? For me, again, I just think about how no other generation has had that level of exposure to the world as ours do today. So it really become, you know, I'm just kind of like, I don't know if our kids actually do need to know this stuff. So for the younger kids, like I said, preschool, kindergarten, they really have no need. But for the grades one to three, four, you know, it's really knowing what's best for your children. But it's also important too to consider on the on the flip side, maybe you're like with me, maybe they don't need to know it. But is it better hearing the information from a safe, trusted adult when there's time to process it and that adult can process through the information or for when, you know, just hearing it on the school playground and then they're creating all these stories too. So those are important con considerations. Um, but really, you know, for younger kiddos, they're probably not going to come into contact with it. They just can't process the complex information. So we don't necessarily need to. Again, we're just going to offer really basic, simple information for kiddos this age, for the younger elementary. Our focus on is, is on making sure that they feel safe. We're always following their lead. It doesn't matter how old they are. We're always going to follow their lead. And so if, if they ask about how the kids were killed, it's okay to say they were shot, like I said, and then stop talking. Less is more. You don't need to go into grim details about anything. They were shot. We usually had far too much. Well, he was walking through town and shooting people up and nobody was doing anything. And then he went in and then he was shooting this and then you go from this classroom and then the police were asking the kids if they were okay. And then the shooter went and, you know, shot those kids who were responding to the police. Like they don't need to know all the details. We just stopped talking. Let your child process that information. Yes, children were hurt. They were shot, yes. And then they ask another question, right? Where was the shooting? It was in Texas at an elementary school, you know? So just stop talking, follow their lead, let them process, let them think. And, and if they have another question, then that's okay, right? So we just want to give them as much context as, as possible to kind of fill in the blanks, but following their lead. Um, 
stick with the facts, take out any subjective emotion out of it because kids are going to attach to that emotional side of it. And that's where we're going to start falling into problems, right? And that could trigger anxiety. We do talk a lot about mental illness, you know, in my family. And so sometimes it comes into the conversation where someone's struggling. My, my youngest daughter, they do passion projects at school. And, and one of her passion projects she chose was Hitler. And we talked a lot about his mental well-being and physical health and all the issues and drug use and, you know, that, that likely contributed to everything he did. 100% no excuse for all of the atrocities that Hitler had done in his time. But those were fact-based pieces of information, you know, that we learned and it helps just to process that information. Asking them to identify their feelings is super important, of course. Again, using the emotion wheel or emotions cards. Um, like I said, I'll have them in, in the show notes for you if you'd like to use them. And just identifying where they're feeling, what they're feeling and where they're feeling that feeling in their body. This is actually a really key piece to building emotional literacy later on in emotion regulation that I'm going to be talking about in the summer. It's just being able to identify, okay, I feel stressed and I feel the stress in my chest. It really helps them to understand the feelings that are going on for them and, you know, so they can better manage it. So getting into the upper elementary kiddos, again, wait to follow their lead if you want. Um, if you really want to ensure that you're talking about it with them. And, and by then, I would suspect that they would probably start hearing it in the ele upper elementary years. Um, you can start just by asking, hey, kiddo, did you hear what happened in Texas, right? Just start asking about the event or whatever other tragic thing that happens that you want to talk about. Giving them the space to ask questions as well. Um, it's okay if they don't have any. It's okay if they don't want to engage in the conversation. Some might shrug, you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened in, in Texas. Well, do you want to talk about it? Uh, I don't know. Okay, I guess. Um, some might say anything at all, right? Um, but it might take days. It might take weeks that they're like, you know what? I do have some questions. Can we talk about it now? So letting them know, even if in the moment they don't want to engage or they're not interested, you can just say, hey, I'm ready to talk whenever you want kind of like what I already said. Again, if you're providing information, everything, just what I've already talked about, simple, basic information without any details. A simple sentence is all that's needed to get the conversation going. If they don't have any follow-up comments or questions, just leave it. We don't need to give them too much information, even at this age. Giving them too much at once, that's just going to overwhelm them. It's going to overwhelm the rational thinking. It's going to send it offline, right, into a spitting mess of stress. Even if they're asking a million questions, what about this? And what about this? And what about that? We need to keep control, right? We still want to ensure we're not giving too much information at once, even if it is their, all of their questions. So we're just going to give them small pieces of information at a time. And I'd ask questions back still at this age, right? How they took the last piece of information that you gave them, making sure they're processing it. And it's okay too, to shelve the conversation. We want to slow it down and give little pieces at a time. We don't want to give it all at once. That's just so overwhelming. It's okay, like I said, still to say you don't know or you're going to have to find out more. That's okay too, just to slow down that process and break it break it up. Um, and because, because our kiddos tend to apply what they hear to themselves and how it threatens their own safety, like I also already talked about them being self-centric, we want to create that safe space. We got to remain calm ourselves still at this age. That's going to be really important and help them recognize that the world is still safe. That's really what it comes down to is that you are safe. People are safe. Schools are still safe. 
So you can ask about their own school. My youngest daughter, who she's in grade five, right away, as soon as she heard about the shooting and we started talking about it, she said, that would never happen at my school. She was talking about all the safety measures that her school has. I, di I didn't even prompt the discussion. She was the one who jumped in and she talked about how this would never happen at our school. All of our doors are locked all the way around, right? And the steps that people have to take to get into this, the school, even parents who are known, right? Um, and so there, there are steps so she feels safe. When we get to our middle school and junior high kiddos, our tweens, our early teens, the chances are pretty good that they've heard this, what's happening. So we do definitely want to talk with them like that. Same thing, just as with the younger kiddos, we're going to ask them what they know. How do they feel about it? In all of our conversations, like I already said, we're going to keep repeating all of this because this is really important. We're, we need to listen. We need to listen at the end of the day that's going to help them process their emotions and, and create that safety. So we're actively hearing their perspectives. We're ensuring that we know that we understand them. We're not trying to make them feel better. We're not trying to take away their pain. We're not trying to fix anything or lecture anything or, or you know, try to convince or reassure. We're just listening and acknowledging their feelings. Again, of course you feel this way. That makes sense. This is normal, creating that safe space always focusing on their feelings first, allowing them to talk through and process everything that's going on for them with us. And we can only do that by being a great listener. I know I'm getting repetitive, but that's so important. If they have heard misinformation, especially as they get into older ages, you know, and they have more access to social media, there's probably a million different opinions flying. Maybe they've created misperceptions. Those are important to address, but we're first always focusing on their feelings, but you can bring up those too, right? If, 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 if there are some huge misperceptions, if you are hearing that misinformation. So focus on asking questions versus telling them they're wrong. Okay. Cause all of our kids are going to put up their back, especially when they're teenagers, if we're telling them we're wrong. So perhaps sharing, oh, that's really interesting that you said this X, right? This is what I heard. And then what do you think? Like, let's look at this discrepancy. Why do you think there's this discrepancy here? Because I think that that's going to be really important. And we want to separate that fact from fantasy. So they really know what's actually reality versus magical thinking or misperceptions. That's, that's going to be really important. It's not going to be very different for our teens, our older teenagers. We're going to ask them open-ended questions. We're going to really focus on the listening. We can be a little bit more vulnerable with them. That's fine. Um, we should never be sharing our anxieties, though. You know, I think that that's huge. If we're starting to fret and I don't want you to go to school, you know, that's not going to be making anything good for anybody. But both of my girls knew I was sad. I think just by the nature of who I am, I'm usually a big crybaby. They, they knew that I was sad. Neither saw the weeping, sobbing that I was doing with my husband before I went and saw them. You know, I was just completely beside myself. So they didn't know how upset I was and how disheartened, you know, with the world I was at the time. But both of my girls, like I said, they know I'm a crybaby. So they know that I'm going to be sad. Um, so being vulnerable is definitely okay. You know, it's good for our kiddos to see us have our feelings, but they also need to see us managing those emotions effectively as well. If we're angry and we're going into blind rages and huge tirades and huge, you know, yelling or never listening, that's not going to be helpful. It's about being able to label our feelings. 
you know, I'm really angry about this. I'm really disheartened about this. Those were my words. I'm just so disheartened and saddened that people would do this, right? How sad I feel about how people can treat each other that way. Shooting certainly, but I'll cry even when I hear a teacher getting angry at a kiddo with ADHD who's trying to do his best to follow a rule in his class, but just the impulsivity makes it really hard. Like I'll even cry at that. I will be getting a lot more into this, like I said, in the summer emotion regulation series, but for now, just we need to label our emotions and be positive role models, you know, being able to express and managing our emotions. So asking our teen about how they're feeling definitely is still important. They might not want to engage in conversation and that's okay too. We can't force them. We're not going to push it down the throats, right? That's going to be true for all of our kiddos, no matter what age, none of us can force that. All of our kids, they're on their own timetable. They're going to process things at their speed. I remember my eldest, she had a traumatic event. It happened in middle school. So, you know, grade eight or nine, junior high time. I can't remember. Oh, it was, I think, grade seven or eight. Um, this traumatic event happened. But at the, at the time, she didn't realize it was traumatic. She couldn't really process it. Um, and it wasn't until a year later that she realized she was ready to process and realized, oh man, this was traumatic for me. So just letting them know you're there whenever they want to chat about it, even if it's months away, you can ask them too. Do you want me to check in again with you? Cause sometimes, you know, they'll put it back of mind or they're, they maybe do want to talk about it, but they're uncomfortable in the moment. So you can say, Hey, do you want me to check in in a couple of days or in a week, see how you're doing? You know, you could, you could put that invite out there. Everyone responds differently in different ways. So it's really important to know how each child will react and how sensitive they are and how they're going to cope, um, because that's going to really base how much information we're going to be giving them. It's normal, though. It's normal to feel sad or angry or scared, right? Lots of worries about themselves, about going to school, about others, you still going to work. That's all normal, too. And of course, you know, kiddos might develop a fear that another shooting is going to happen, but this time maybe at their own school or closer to home, you know, or in their town. So while I give these guidelines, it's really important to consider this child in this context, in this family at this particular point of time. I think that that's really important. So processing our own emotions, making sure that we're being good listeners, creating safety, that's going to be the foundation. And then just basic information. I have a few other considerations that are important to consider. Um, if you do have a conversation timing, don't do it before bed. That's a bad time. Just don't do it before bed. We want to make sure we're maintaining structure and boundaries and rules and routine. All of that's really critical because it's those routines and structures and expectations that help kids feel safe. There's security in having that predictability. And it, it's so sad. I mean, just even to know how many school shootings there have been over the past two decades. Um, and unfortunately, we have a lot of research on coping because of these incidents. And one of the most important findings that we've seen in students when we're looking at resilience, for example, and those who can actually, you know, um, get through and even thrive from trauma the kids who fared the best, they had, and even the students who attended a school where there was a mass shooting, the kids who did the best were the ones um, that they still had to go to school the next day. They still had to follow their same routines. They still had their classes just like normal, right? They still did their sports. 
they still did their chores. All of those things helped have that structure and routine. And they did way better than the students who went back to schools where there was shootings and classes were canceled so that they could go and be together and grieve together. But now they're just you know, there's no structure. It's, it's chaos, students everywhere crying in, in, in the, certainly, you know, they need those opportunities, but when we take away their structure and routine, that creates a lot of chaos and stress, and it's just contributing more to the trauma. So we want to maintain as much normalcy as possible. Go to school, go and hang out with friends, go and do what you normally do and making sure that they're taking care of themselves as well. You still got to eat. You still got to be active. You still got to drink water. Actually, drinking water is important because when we get dehydrated, that can add to their stress. We're still going to shower, you know, and that's important. I know I've had some major loss and grief in my life and my husband has as well. And our coping mechanism, you know, people think that we're, we just suppress our feelings. We don't, but we still go to work the next day because we know how important that structure and routine is. We do the want to monitor our kiddos. You know, if you see any changes in behaviors, if they're withdrawing, if they're engaging in more, you know, maybe they're starting to avoid school or it's getting worse, um, more irritable, more angry, just overly emotional. If they're not paying attention as well, they're having a harder time concentrating, you know, if they're having nightmares or having trouble falling asleep, their eating patterns have changed, they're becoming more clingy, they're needing you more, or becoming obsessive, just needing to ask questions, whether it's about you know, the events or where are you going? What time are you going to be home? Who are you going to be with? You know, what's the address? Is your phone charged? Um, just asking lots of questions and wanting to talk about it. That's another area that we might want to start, you know, maybe there's some red flags going physical symptoms too. If, if you notice your kiddos experiencing more headaches or stomach aches, all of these signs are signs that they're stressed and worries are taking over. It's important to get help right away because anxiety doesn't go away on its own. It can be a very slippery slope where things get worse fast. And we know if it goes untreated, it actually gets progressively more severe over time. So we want to make sure we're intervening as early as we can, no matter what age we want to get on that. Um, you can also look into what they can do to be active. You know, if there's anything that they feel really strongly about, if there's anything that they want to do to be helpful, you know, with the Ukraine right now, um, we talk a lot about what people are doing to help those in Ukraine. You know, we're always having those conversations at home and ways we can help. And we, we know whenever there's a tragic event in a community, they often come together, those communities and help each other. That's a normal human reaction. Actually, when trauma happens, oxytocin, which is a connecting hormone, a love hormone is released and it's to bring us together. And it's a huge antidote to feeling sad and helpless. And like they have no control in the world, that sort of helpless grief. So especially for our older kiddos and teens, look at maybe how they can help. It's a fantastic way to be able to cope with these tragic events in our lives. And we're building their sense of empowerment. How can they get involved? Maybe it's sending cards to the kiddos at the school or to the families, you know, at the school that can be so healing for our children to process everything that's going on for them, but as well as the other children and that connecting piece, right. And doing things like this, that, that helps pro-social emotions, like building compassion and gratitude it's so needed in our world. So I'll leave it there for today.
thank you for joining me. It's, it's a heavy topic. I can just feel the weight of it all, even just as I, I talk about it. Um, it's been exhausting. It really does. You know, when I found out about it, I was exhausted for the rest of the day. It, it, it takes a lot on us. Um, we've just had so much tragedy in our world and with everything happening right now, you know, the last two years with COVID, it's been heavy in the Ukraine war. Now the shootings that have been happening the past couple of weeks, it's just time that, you know, we're ensuring that everyone has information and we're supporting our kids and we're still creating that safe space. So important. So thank you for joining me. Take care. Go love your kiddos, empower them, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.